singing in a few minutes. Now let's get back to our continuing Bible story from the Bible and Living Sound. Herod, my sweet, you're in an ugly mood. Did some mean old person hurt my darling's feelings? Uh, <clears throat> Tell your loving wife what's troubling his majesty. Herod, what is troubling you? It doesn't concern you. Everything that concerns you concerns me, dear. It's that man of the wilderness. John the Baptist? Uh-huh. Well, what about him? What happened? What well, did he do? I, I went to hear him preach with some of my courtiers. Yes. Uh, well, he is a great man. Preaches truth. You're disturbed, Herod. You sound frightened. You're not telling me everything. Uh, he, he spoke of my unfaithfulness. Uh, he denounced my iniquitous alliance with you. Me? Uh, wow. I, I did steal you from my own brother. You did nothing of the sort. I, I love you more than I ever loved him. So I... Well, I left him and I came to you. What's wrong with that? Uh, I, I am trying to be rid of the lust that overcomes me. Lust? Yeah, you. That, that unkempt, bearded man of the wilderness dared speak like that to you, the king, and publicly? He spoke to me face to face like the real man that he is, and, and I... And you believed him. Are you... are you going to get rid of me? Oh, you know I'd never do that. Oh, well then... Then everything's all right, dear, but... Well, I am a little surprised that my strong-minded and self-assured king would let anyone, especially an ignorant wilderness rat, talk to him like that. But uh, Herodias, uh, my wife, he spoke truth. Truth? Huh. The truth, my royal husband, is that you are king. Your word is law. You can do no wrong. Yes, that that's true, isn't it? Herod... 
Do you love me? Oh, of course I do, Herodias. <laughs> Certainly you have no doubts about that. Doubts? <laughs> you let that, that preacher say awful things about me. If you do love me, Herod, and if you are king, you'll punish him for his impertinence and treason to the crown. Yes, I suppose I should. But John the Baptist is a good man, and he but spoke what he is... He insulted you, and he insulted me. Of course, I don't count, but you do, Herod. You're the king. Your subjects must realize that as king, you can do no wrong. And no one, no one must say even one word against you or your Roman superiors. Send for him, Herod. Capture him. Cast John the Baptist into the dungeon. Uh, oh, all right, dear. <laughs> Naturally, John, as your disciples, we are concerned. You've been in this dungeon for weeks. Why? I mean, Jesus of Nazareth, you heralded his coming. You prepared the way. You've done many things for him. And now that you're in trouble, why doesn't he do something for you? Now's the time for him to proclaim himself king of Israel. Then he can deliver you and the poor and the suffering. Then he can cast down the pride of our Roman oppressors and sit upon David's throne. I don't know. Sometimes doubts torture my spirits. Doubts that Jesus is the Messiah. But he is, he is. Never will I surrender my faith in Jesus. Never. Well, I doubt. Sometimes very much. He leaves you here in this dungeon to rot. You sacrifice your entire life to him. Perhaps and you should go and talk to Jesus personally. Yes, I'll send two of you with a message. Go to him and ask him outright if he is the Messiah or if he is not. I'm sure the Savior will renew your faith in him and bring you assurance of his divinity. Bring me word... I do so long for some word directly from Jesus. Jesus! Sir, our master, John, of the wilderness, now cast into King Herod's dungeon, sent us to thee to inquire. Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? What's that? Look. Master, this man we carry is possessed of demons. Satan, I say unto thee, leave this man, and enter no more into him. I... Oh... Oh... I'm well. I'm well. Thank you, Master. Thank you. Master, I hear thy voice, but cannot see thee, for I am blind. Thy sight be restored unto thee. I... I... I can see. Truly, Master, thou art the Messiah. Oh, Jesus acts as if he didn't even hear our questions. Jesus heard our question. I... I think he's answering it by healing all these sick and suffering and blind, so that we can have no doubt that he is the Messiah. Well, come on, let's return to the dungeon. No. We shall remain here all day and watch Jesus, listen to his every word, and witness his every deed. The day wore away. The disciples of John seeing and hearing all. At last, Jesus called them to him. I bid you go tell your master, John the Baptist, what you have witnessed here today. Say unto him, Blessed is he whosoever shall find no occasion to stumble and lose faith in me. 
Blessed is he. Stumble. Lose faith. Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God. Oh, what do you make of it, Master? First, it is a gentle reproof to me for harboring thoughts of doubt. Reproof? To you? Secondly, it shows very clearly the true nature of Christ's mission to earth. Oh, I yield myself wholly to God, for life or for death, whichever best serves Jesus and the cause I love so well. And the true mission of Jesus, well... Isn't he to sit upon David's throne as king and, and release us from Roman oppression? The mission of Jesus, his work, is not with the clash of arms and the overturning of thrones and kingdoms, but speaking to hearts through a life of mercy and self-sacrifice and love. Jesus is to save men from their sins for an eternal life in a heavenly kingdom. Love, mercy. Why doesn't he have mercy upon you and deliver you from this, this dungeon, this suffering and pain and perhaps even death? The Savior's mission can win from the leaders and priests of Israel only hatred and condemnation. I suffer here in this dungeon gladly, happily as Christ's forerunner. I but drink from the cup which Christ himself will drain to its dregs. Loving, merciful God, thy will be done. continue the Bible story tomorrow. And if you would like to have these stories to listen to at home, you can call the Bible in Living Sound at 1-800-634-0234. That's 1-800-634-0234. Now here's some more music before we have to say goodbye. for being on time for this week's Kids Bible Club. As you remember, I asked you to choose a favorite Bible text to memorize and share with the group and tell me why you like that particular passage. Rhiannon, how about you? I see you've got your finger on a text. It's not a very big one. Well, that's okay. In Scripture, every word counts. Well, all right. My favorite text is John eleven thirty-five. It says, Jesus wept. Uh, no wonder she chose that one. Just two words. That's not why I chose it. Okay, okay, don't get upset, Rhiannon. I'm sure Henry and the rest of us would like to know why that particular text is important to you. It's just that sometimes I cry too. Like when my daddy died, I cried all the time. I couldn't stop. I just kept thinking about him and thinking about him. And it made me so lonely. 
People would come to the house and try to cheer me up, but I kept being sad. Then I remembered what you said in church about how we're supposed to find comfort in the Bible. Well, I didn't know how to do that. I didn't know where to look. So I just started reading, and I found this story about when Jesus' friend, Lazarus, died, and Jesus went to visit Lazarus' sisters. And when he saw them crying, he started crying too. He just cried. Jesus wept. I guess I needed someone to cry with me for a while. That's why the text is my favorite. When I read it, I know that Jesus understands what I'm going through. He really, really understands. Jesus wants to be our friend. He has placed in our hearts a desire to share our deepest secrets and brightest hopes with him. This program was brought to you by the Children's Ministries Department of the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists.
boys and girls. This is Ms. Kathy. I'm so happy you've joined me today for another story just for you. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Philippians 4, 6. Mystery of License Plate OL710-050 by Nelia Berman Garber. James Long, student call porter, stepped up beside his old blue Ford. His head ached, his feet ached, and nothing looked more inviting on that warm autumn day in 1930 than the front seat of his battered car. As he walked around the car to unlock the door, James noticed that his rear license plate was loose. He stopped to straighten it, noting the license plate number, OL710-050. Once he was inside his car, the number kept flashing before him, OL710-050, OL710-050. What's wrong with me, James wondered. Did I get too much sun today, or what? He tried to stop thinking about it as he drove along, but the woods seemed to be plastered with license plates. When he finally arrived in Garden City, Kansas, a half hour later, the sun was beginning to set. James stopped the old Ford in front of his house and got out. I need something to wake me up and to drive those crazy license plates from my head, he told himself. Then I'll go back and start knocking on doors again. After fixing himself a limeade, James settled back in an easy chair to enjoy the cool and refreshing drink. He laid his aching head back against the soft upholstery and closed his tired eyes. I'll rest for just a moment, he thought. About an hour later, James woke up with a start and glanced at his watch. It's almost seven? He gasped, leaping to his feet. I have to get back to work. The evening is the best time to canvas, and by the time I get back to my territory, it will be almost too late to make any calls. He felt his pockets for his keys and muttered, Where are my car keys? Did I put them down somewhere? He looked all around but couldn't find them. I must have left them in the car, he thought. He hurried out the door to look, but the street in front of the house was empty. James rubbed his eyes and looked again, but the car was not there. He turned this way and that, not knowing which way to go or just where to begin to get his car back. Then once again, the number OL710-050 flashed before his eyes. Of course, he could call the police and report the theft and the license number. But first, James bowed his head and thanked the Lord for drilling the number into his mind all afternoon. He asked God to keep his car from any accidents and to help him find it soon. Then he hurried back into the house and phoned the police station. When the officers arrived, they asked James a number of questions. Then they took him to the police headquarters, where busy radios had already alerted every police car in the area regarding the theft and the license number of the car. James sat in the corner of the police station, his head in his hands. He prayed silently for his car, for the expensive new books he had stored in it, and for God's guidance. Then the radio reported that the car had been found and that two young men had been taken into custody. The officer ordered a wrecker to be sent to tow the stolen car in. James' relief that the car had been found was spoiled by anxiety over what had happened that made it necessary to tow his car. But he thanked God for a partial answer to his prayer and tried to be content. Two hours later, when the old Ford had been towed to the police station, James sat and listened to the questioning of the two young thieves. They had seen the car with the keys in the ignition and had decided to take it. Everything was okay for about an hour, they said, and then all of a sudden the car just stopped and they couldn't get it to start. 
While they were working on the engine, a patrol car had pulled up behind them. Officer, may I ask them a question? James asked. Sure, go ahead, the police chief replied. James looked at the two young men who had stolen his car and asked, What time was it when the car started giving you trouble? About 7.05, one of them answered. I know, because Bud here asked me what time it was, and I looked at my watch. Any other questions, the officer asked. No, sir, James replied, but may I go out and see if my car will start? Sure, said the policeman, tossing him the key, but it's deader than a doornail. I made these fellows try it out several times because I didn't want to bother with a tow truck. The county sheriff walked out to the car with James and watched as he slid under the wheel. As soon as James pushed on the starter, the motor immediately burst into life. The sheriff whistled. Now, how do you account for that? I know that car wouldn't run. I saw those kids try to start it. What's your formula? Then James told the policeman how, at 7.05, he had prayed that God would get his car back for him and that at 7.05, the car had stalled. That's my formula, sir, said James solemnly. God answered my prayer. Well, I never, said the sheriff. He turned quickly and blew his nose. Yes, even policemen can be moved to tears when they see how God works for his children. The story you have heard today is from God's Greatest Stories, written by various authors and compiled by Randy Fischel and used with permission from the Pacific Press Publishing Association. If you're interested in any other books published by the Seventh-day Adventist Church, please visit AdventistBookCenter.com or call 1-800-765-6955. This podcast is a production of the Carolina Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Let the children come Don't dare drive them away And then the kingdom comes Hear the holy foolish things they say The springtime of their life decides The adults they'll become So let the children come Please let the children come Children's Bible Journey was brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio and is a production of Lifetalk Radio at lifetalk.net.